Well, it's become our habit on the fifth Sundays to have a congregational meeting, and we're going to be doing that in just a few moments. Uh, the elders have a few things. Uh, mostly today, though, they're going to let me share with you some things. But before that, it's, it's our habit on this Sunday to give a brief lesson that goes along with a question or answer, questions that have been submitted and asked uh, by members and others. If you would like to have a question considered to be presented during one of these question and answer sessions, you can email that to me or you can drop a note in the box outside the door. Obviously, we do this about four or five times a year, which means that uh, we don't get to all of them, but if you'd like one considered, if you drop that in there, uh, we'll, we might be able to get to that. Today, the question that we want to ask is, can we pray to Jesus? I've heard this question asked by lots of people, and people continue to ask that question. Can we pray to Jesus? Before we actually answer this question, let's pray. Almighty God and Father in heaven, we love you and we praise your name because you are awesome and powerful. You've given us the ability to study your word. We pray that you would help us to think upon these things and understand what your word says so that we might know how to honor and glorify you and lift up your word. Father, we're thankful for your son whose death gives us this opportunity to stand before you, to praise you and worship you. And we pray that you would be with us, that we might honor and glorify you. Father, be with us as we answer the question today. Help us simply to look at what your word says and to have our hearts open to it. Thank you, Father, for your love and your mercy. To your son's name we pray. Amen. As I often say when we, when we have these lessons, we're not having it because I think I know the answers to all the questions, but because I think the Bible demonstrates to us answers to all the questions that, that we might have that pertain to life and godliness. That being said, I realize that my study might be limited and lacking, and so I'm going to share with you what I have found about this question. And if you, listen, if you look at it and you think I've missed some things, feel free to talk with me about it afterwards, and we'll be able to continue and study and answer these questions. So we're going to ask, can we pray to Jesus? The reason why this question so often gets asked is because, no doubt, when we look through the New Testament, the overwhelming example is that prayer is offered to God. In fact, I'm well aware that most brethren, when we talk to them, will say that we pray to the Father through the Son. And most folks will say that, no, we don't pray to Jesus. I'd like for us to take a look at the Scriptures and see what we can find there. It is true that the general and consistent example of prayer in the New Testament is offered to God the Father. I'm not going to go through every example, but we'll just... We'll just take a look at a, about four passages that I think demonstrate this. In Acts chapter 16 and verse 25, in Acts 16 and verse 25, it says, About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. My understanding is that a lot of times when we see this kind of phrase, something done to God, it's usually referencing God the Father, not, not necessarily just deity per se, but God the Father. So I think they're saying they pray to the Father. We can look in Romans chapter 10 and verse 1. In Romans chapter 10 and verse 1, the scripture says, Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. Here he is praying to God, praying to God the Father. Romans chapter 15 and verse 30. Romans chapter 15 and verse 30. I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in your prayers to God 
on my behalf. I think this passage is pretty specific. He's talking about something that he's doing by Jesus and also by the Spirit, but then they're doing it to God. And as we see all three mentioned here, I think we can be pretty certain that God here is a reference to the Father. We also have Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6, where Paul tells us, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Over and over again, we can go throughout the New Testament and... and the almost universal and consistent example is prayer offered to God the Father. So I, I'm, I completely understand why the majority of Christians would say prayer is for the Father. We pray to the Father and we don't pray to the Son or to the Spirit for that matter. However, there's a couple of things that I'd like for you to consider. I think there are some principles that we need to recognize. Namely, that worship is not simply something offered to the Father, but worship is something that's offered to deity, as opposed to merely angelic beings or as opposed to humanity. And I would suggest that because Jesus is divine, we can worship Jesus as well as we worship the Father. In fact, why don't you look, please, in Revelation chapter 19. In Revelation chapter 19 and verse 10. The angel has brought a message to John. And in Revelation chapter 19 and verse 10, John says, Then I fell down at his feet to worship him. That is, he's falling down at the feet of the angelic being in order to worship him. But the angel said to me, You must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The angel says, don't worship me because I am just a ministering spirit. I am a servant like you are. Instead, worship God. Why? Because God is not just a servant like you are. He's divine. He is deity. Look in Revelation chapter 22, verses 8 and 9. We're going to see this very same scenario take place again. Revelation 22, verses 8 and 9. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things, and when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But he said to me, you must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers, the prophets, and with those who keep the words of this book, worship God. Again, what I want you to recognize here is the angel says, don't worship me because I am a servant like you. The angelic beings and humanity are servants. But that's not God's position. God is not an angelic being. He's not a human. God is divine. And because God is divine, because God is deity, worship is to be offered to Him. We don't worship angels. We worship God. But now something very interesting. Look in Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 6. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 6. In Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 6, the Hebrew writer says, and, and in this chapter he's comparing Jesus to the angels, to demonstrate that Jesus has a surpassing ministry. But it says in Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 6, and again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, that firstborn is Jesus, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. And you see what that says? Now, we're not supposed to worship the angels, because the angels are just ministering spirits. They are servants just as we are. But the angels are supposed to worship the Son. What do you think that means about us? If the angels, who we are not supposed to worship, are supposed to worship the Son, 
And I think the necessary implication, the inference of that is we too worship the Son. We are servants, just as the angels are. We don't worship the angels. The angels don't worship us. The angels don't worship each other. We shouldn't worship each other. But the Son is divine. And therefore, He should be worshipped. In fact, look in Matthew chapter 28. In Matthew chapter 28 and verse 9, following Jesus' resurrection, in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 9, Matthew 28 and verse 9, it says, Behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of His feet and worshipped Him. Remember what happened when the Apostle John fell at the feet of the angel and worshipped him? The angel said, don't do that. The same Apostle, along with the others, is falling at the feet of Jesus and worshipping him. And what does Jesus say? Nothing. He accepts it. Because Jesus is worthy of our worship. Why? Because he is divine. He is deity. Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. And verse 9 says, For in Him, that is in Jesus, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. Jesus was the incarnation of the divine. He came into the world as one of us, but He was not simply one of us. He was deity in flesh. God in flesh. The incarnate God. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3. In Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3, it points out that Jesus is the exact representation of God. Jesus, Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3, talking about Jesus, He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature. And He upholds the universe by the word of His power. After making purification for His sins, He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. He is the radiance of the glory of God. Jesus had that exact same glory. Why? Because He's divine. And some of the apostles were able to glimpse that on the Mount of Transfiguration. The exact imprint of His nature. I think about the passage in James where James points out to us that Elijah was a man with a nature just like ours. What this passage is telling us is that Jesus is deity with a nature just like the Father's. And then it goes on, and this is really powerful, and He upholds the universe by the word of His power. Can we read that passage without remembering Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1 that says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God did that. Deity did that. Jesus is part of that. He is God. He is divine. Now, we're not studying the Trinity today. We're not taking a look at how Father, Son, and Spirit are, are separate persons and yet united and yet they are one. What we just want to recognize here is that Jesus, just as the Father is, He is divine. And just as the Father is due our worship, so is the Son. And we may worship Him. We may honor Him. We may sing Him. We may praise Him. We may pray to Him as we would the Father. Why? Because He's not a servant just like us, as the angels are. He is divine just as the Father is. And He deserves that worship as the Father does. Now, you may remember that just a few moments ago, I pointed out that almost the universal example within the New Testament is prayer to the Father. Now, the reason why I try to be very careful to make sure I said almost is because while 99.5% of the time that is the case, 
And so there's absolutely nothing wrong with the majority of our praying. And, it's, you know, if, it, if your conscience is wanting you to do this, even all your praying, if it's addressed to the Father, that's, that's not, uh, not really a problem. And uh, Ron kind of started to get on this in their class in Timothy this morning. As we take a look at Father, Son, and Spirit, we know they're three distinct persons, and yet their unity makes some of this, I think, perhaps a little bit moot, as, as if when we're praying to the Father, it has nothing to do with the Son or with the Spirit. Or if we're offering a prayer to Jesus, it has nothing to do with the Father. I mean, the fact is they're united in their work and their purpose. And so when we're praying to God, I'm not sure that we can distinguish necessarily always between the three. But that, that gets in a little bit more philosophical, theological discussion here. On a very practical level, even though the great majority of the prayers in the New Testament are simply offered to the Father, there are examples of praying to the Son. And I want you to notice that in Acts chapter 7. In Acts chapter 7, Stephen is being stoned. And in Acts chapter 7 and verse 59, as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And both of these statements are supposed to cause us to remember what Jesus said on the cross. As he cried out to his Father in prayer on the cross, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And also, as he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Here we see Stephen, as he is dying, offering up the very same prayers that Jesus offered up on the cross. Jesus offered them to the Father. Here, Stephen is actually offering them to Jesus. Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And another example is the one that we read in our Scripture reading just moments ago. In Revelation chapter 5, I want you to notice very carefully what's happening here. In Revelation chapter 5, in verse 8, when he had taken the scroll, that's the Lamb, when the Lamb had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, that's Jesus, each holding a harp and a golden bowl full of incense. Now, what's this golden bowl full of incense? Which are prayers of the saints. That's the thing I want you to notice specifically. Which are prayers of the saints. These elders, these creatures, these golden bowls full of incense. Now, I understand that this passage here is not giving us authority to burn incense as if it's prayer. Rather, that's a figure. The incense represents the prayers of the saints. Who are they offering this to? Here they're bowing before the Lamb. But then notice what else they do. In verse 9, And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on earth. Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Let's just hone in on that very quickly. The Lamb is worthy to receive honor and glory and blessing. Brothers and sisters, how do we offer to the Lamb honor and glory and blessing? We do that through prayer. We honor Him through prayer. We glorify Him through prayer. And blessing is saying good things about Him. It's praising Him and thanking Him. We do that through prayer. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, To Him who sits on the throne 
and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. The elders, the living creatures, the myriad of heavenly hosts, they recognize that we offer glory and honor and blessing to Him who is on the throne, that's the Father, and to the Lamb as well. And so we have here an example that demonstrates prayer offered to Jesus. Can we pray to Jesus? I would suggest, yes, we can. I understand that many of my brethren have conscience with this, and I'm certainly not wanting to cause you to violate your conscience. As I said earlier, I think that perhaps we, all of this might be made moot just because of the unity of the Father, Son, and the Spirit, as if we can pray to one and it's not connected to the others. I'm not sure we can even remotely do that. But at the same time, if you have conscience against that, let me encourage you, please do not hold up your conscience as the standard by which all your brethren who see these examples and recognize the principle of worshiping Jesus because He's God, please don't limit them from being able to do what we find example for in the Scripture. Can we pray to Jesus? I believe that we can. I hope this has been beneficial to you as we look at this answer. If you have a question that you'd like for us to look at in one of these sessions, please feel free to email me or you can uh, drop that in the box that's outside my office there and we'll try to get those in to the other opportunities we have for answering questions.